Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today. This is part two of Grace for the Disgraced. I'm so thankful for the grace of God, aren't you? And so when we think about grace, Titus tells us that the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, no to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present day. Well, I want you to know as we look at part two of the message today that God values the lost. Have you ever lost something? I was reading this story not too long ago about a pastor who took a group of students on a mission trip. Oh, it was a great trip. Lots of good ministry taking place. I mean, the drama team and the preaching team, they shared the gospel. Lots of good projects were completed. Well, it finally came time to go home. And so the group packs up and they are boarding on a midnight flight home. The students all went through the passport line. The sponsors all went through the line. But the pastor, he was the last one on the line. I want to make sure everybody made it through the line okay. The pastor got to the passport checkout. He couldn't find his passport. Well, he searched his luggage. He searched his packages, his pockets, his carry-on luggage. Panic began to take over as he explained his situation to the passport police. Well, they were unmoved by the pastor's plight. All of a sudden, one of the sponsors started waving to the pastor with a passport and hand. You see, as a practical joke, somebody took the pastor's passport. When the pastor received his passport, he didn't throw the passport down on the floor and say, how dare you leave me and team up with a stranger. He wasn't even too upset with the person who took his passport. No, from that moment on, that pastor took extra care to protect that passport so it would never, ever again go missing. Well, I've got some really good news for you. God's grace is available for the lost. It's a reckless grace. It's an undeserving grace. And so today we're going to be looking at the life of Jonah. And just to kind of bring you up to speed as to where we are, Jonah was given a task. Go preach to Nineveh was the task. Now, Nineveh was part of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians had a cruel reputation. They had a reputation that is even hard for us to fathom. They were brutal. They were disgusting. They would skin people alive. They would chop people's head off. They would mutilate people. They would rip out the tongues of people they disagreed with. As a matter of fact, they were so brutal, they even made a pyramid comprised of human heads. Unbelievable. You see, the Assyrians had no use for the Jews, and the Jews hated the Assyrians. A mutual hatred. And Jonah is called to go preach the gospel to Nineveh. At the beginning of the story, he is running from God. At the end of the story, he is arguing with God. And in between, he is praying and preaching. Now, Jonah is the only missionary that I know of that had no passion, no love for the people that he was called to reach. As a matter of fact, a quick overview of the book of Jonah. Chapter number one, Jonah runs. Chapter number two, Jonah prays. Chapter number three, Jonah preaches. And then chapter number four, he pouts because he has unbelievable results. 
Well, Jonah is remembered by many, not because he was a prophet, but because he was the guy who got swallowed by a great fish. Jonah had no desire to be God's prophet, and so he even tried to run from his duty. It ended up with him getting eaten by a great fish, and, and he went and he prophesied anyway. Jonah was fed up with all that he had to do. He had no passion for the people of Nineveh. As a matter of fact, he didn't even work very hard on his sermon. He gave a simple eight-word warning. Simple passage, simple message, and here it is. Hey, 40 more days, and Nineveh's going to be overthrown. It was enough to get Nineveh to repent, just to show that God can deliver grace even through a terrible and a reluctant preacher. Now, there's seven ways that God reveals his grace to us. I'm going to give you the first several real quickly because we already covered them yesterday. But number one, he speaks grace to the disgraced. The word came to Jonah, chapter number one, verses one and two. And God says, hey, Jonah, go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Its wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh was so bad that it drifted up their wickedness right up to heaven. Now listen, when God speaks, grace is what he speaks. He's gracious all the time. Even if you are disgraceful, God is speaking grace to you. Jonah was a reluctant, disgraceful prophet, but the word of the Lord came to him. Listen, God's speaking to you right now. He has something that he wants you to hear right now. So you hang in there. Listen to this broadcast, not because the preaching is so great, but because the message is great. The word of the Lord is going to come to you if you have enough sense to receive it. God speaks even to the disgrace. Number two, God speaks and he gives grace for the disgraced. Jonah ran from God, verse number three, ran from the Lord and headed in the opposite direction. And he goes down to Tarshish. He's going down to Joppa, where he found a ship that was boarded for that port. And after paying the fare, he fled. Listen, God even gave Jonah in the midst of his disobedience enough money to pay the fare to take that ship in the wrong direction. You see, too many people think, if I'm doing wrong, then God's going to be punishing me financially or emotionally. God sometimes even gives his grace to those who don't deserve it. Now, I know this is true because some of the most disgraceful people in the world are the wealthiest people in the world. They've got their wealth because they were disgraceful in how they conducted their lives. But God was too gracious to them. You see, you can't outrun the grace of God. Even when Jonah was attempting to run from God, God's grace was right after him. Jonah experienced God's grace. Number three, God speaks to those who are disgraced. He gives grace to those who are disgraced. And number three, even the storms display God's grace. We're down to verses four and five, and it says that the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Well, I told you yesterday, there's three types of storms that you will face. And because of time, I'm going to ask you to go back to the broadcast that was aired yesterday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. And look for yesterday's message. 
And we learn there's three types of storms that we face. And in the middle of those storms, we still see God's grace. But let me get quickly to the fourth point. We've learned that God speaks to those who are disgraced. He gives grace to those who are disgraced. Even in storms, God displays his grace. Number four, God even can give sleep to those who are disgraced. Many years ago, I was working as a newspaper carrier, and I would deliver about 900 newspapers every single morning. And I was following a case of a gruesome murder that took place in central Virginia. And uh, this couple, who was not married, were what I would say a couple that experienced affluenza. They had more money and more power than they had wisdom to know how to handle it. Well, this woman hated her mom and dad who paid for her to go to college. And and this other guy from Germany came into town. He was a Rhodes Scholar, and they met together at college. Well, this woman he was dating hated her mom and dad so deeply, they drove to Lynchburg on one weekend and brutally murdered her mom and dad. Now, the amazing thing about that crime was that after they committed this heinous crime, I mean, blood splattered everywhere. I mean, it was an amazing sight. They sat down and ate a meal together. Can, can you imagine that? You just murdered your mother and father. They're right there in that, that very house, and you just sit down and have a meal. God gives sleep even to the disgraced. Jonah, who was running from God, falls into a deep, deep sleep. The captain had to go down in to wake him up and says, how in the world can you sleep? Get up and call upon your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Well, I want you to know God is gracious to us. Even when we're running from him, even when we are filled with conviction, God gives us grace. There's something else that we see in the life of Jonah. We see that God gave Jonah grace by giving him a desire and a thirst for truth. That's a sign of God's grace. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. The sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast their lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where's your country? From what people are you? Now, it was trouble in the ship that was causing the storm outside the ship. And the sailors had more insight than Jonah. To hunger and thirst after righteousness means to desire to be free from the power of sin and its consequences. Hunger and thirst are natural expressions of the basic human desire and need for food and water. One of the clear indications that something is wrong physically is when we lose our appetite. The same thing is true spiritually. To hunger and thirst for God is at the very root of our being. It's the way that God made us. When there is no hunger for the presence of God, it is an indicator that something is wrong spiritually because that hunger is so basic to human nature. 
It's often finding its fulfillment in other areas rather than seeking God, much as eating unhealthy junk food can dull our physical appetite. So that which is not of God can dull our spiritual appetite. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger, those who thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God uses a bunch of unregenerate sailors to grab the attention of Jonah. They are thirsting after truth, and they're going to Jonah, finding out why this calamity has befallen them. And now Jonah is slowly coming to his senses because God gives him that desire for the truth. God places that thirst within Jonah, and not only within Jonah, but those who are on that ship. We learn something else about God giving grace to the disgraced. We see that even creation proves God's grace. We're now down to verses 9 through 12. Jonah responds to the questions of these sailors. And he answered them and said, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, verse 10 is speaking with much intensity. It says, this terrified them. And they asked, well, what have you done? Now, this is amazing. They're more afraid of the God of Jonah than Jonah is. They're terrified. Say, what in the world did you do? They knew that he was running away from the Lord because he already told them so. There must be more than just running from the Lord. What wicked thing have you done? Verse number 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What shall we do to you to make this sea calm down for us? And look what Jonah says in verse 12. He says, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. God is using his creation as an evidence of his grace, grabbing the attention of not only Jonah, but also these sailors. Tim Keller tells about an old fairy tale about a wicked witch who lived in a remote cottage in the deep forest. Whenever travelers would come through looking for lodging, she would offer them a meal and a bed. It was the most wonderfully comfortable bed any of them had ever felt. But it was full of deep magic. And if you were asleep in it when the sun came up, you would turn into a stone. They would become this figure of a witch's statuary, and you'd be trapped as a stone until the end of time. The witch forced a young girl to serve her, and though she had no power to resist the witch, the girl became more and more filled with pity for the victims of the witch's evil plot. Well, one day, a young man, looked for a bed and a place to stay. The servant girl could not bear to see him turned into a stone, and so she threw sticks and thistles and stones and rocks into the bed, and it made the bed horribly uncomfortable. Every time he turned, he felt a new painful object under him. Though he cast each one out, there was always a new one to dig into his flesh. He slept only for just a few minutes, and rose exhausted and weary long before dawn. As he walked out the front door, the servant girl met him, and he berated her cruelly. 
How could you give a traveler such a terrible bed full of sticks and stones? He cried as he went on his way. Ah, she said under her breath, the misery you know now is nothing like the infinitely greater misery a comfortable sleep would have brought upon you. These were my sticks and my stones of love. You see, when sin has worn us down and weird our soul, God puts sticks and stones of love in our bed to wake us up and to bring us to the point where we rely on Him. You see, at the end of our lives, we won't be overtaken by sin. What is it in your life right now? What storm are you facing right now that is a storm that God is using to grab your attention? You're thinking that He's just making your life miserable, but in reality, He is saving you. Those sticks and stones are the sticks and stones of His love. And he's showing his love to you, just like he was awakening Jonah, a guy who didn't deserve God's grace, but yet God gives it to him. Well, there's another point that we've got to cover about God sharing his grace with the disgraced. We talked about the fact that God even speaks to those who are disgraced. He even gives to them good health and blesses them and gives them the opportunity to be able to afford the fair to go in the wrong direction. And then God gives us his grace, even in the midst of the storms, we see him working in creation. And then God even allows us to sleep when we should be awakened because of the sin that we are experiencing. But then God in his grace, even to those who are disgraced, he puts within them a desire and a thirst to know him. And then God uses all of his creation to point us to his grace. And then number seven, we learn that God gives grace to the disgrace because he protects us as an illustration of his grace. Let's look now at verse number 17. It says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish three days and three days nights. Now, let me ask you a question. Where do you need God's protection? I remember one time telling uh, the inmates at the prison where I serve, I said, you know, some of you should thank the Lord that you got caught. Oh, I know it was not a good thing that you got caught, so you think, but if you had not been caught right now, instead of being incarcerated, you'd be dead. You see, Jonah was blessed by God and that the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah up. If that fish hadn't come along, Jonah would have drowned. Maybe Jonah didn't exactly like the way that God rescued him, but it was sure better than drowning. Jonah went to Well University and spends three days and three nights out there, and all of a sudden he gets a PhD in evangelism and he shares the gospel. Now, when we think about the grace of God, nothing more clearly summarizes the true meaning of grace than a simple phrase found right here in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. Salvation is of the Lord. Some years ago, Philip Yancey wrote a best-selling book entitled, What's So Amazing About Grace? And in his book, he called grace the last great word. 
And he meant that it's the one of the last of the great words that has retained some of its original meaning. Grace means free and undeserved bounty. For instance, when we pray, we say grace to thank God for our food. We are grateful for a kindness that is done by another person. To show our thanks when we go out to a restaurant to eat, we offer a gratuity, something offered at no cost. And it's said to be gratis or gratis. And as we look and we have a book that might be overdue at the library, sometimes they open up an opportunity for us to return them at no charge during a grace period. I remember one time my son was given a grace period. He was caught stealing a phone, and and I knew he had stolen it. And they said, well, if this phone just shows up, uh, we won't press any charges against you. He was given a grace period. You see, it is commonly stated that Christianity is a supremely religion of grace. And that's certainly true. We sing about grace. We write poems about grace. We name our churches and our children after grace. If you ask us, we certainly believe in grace, but outside of the worship services, the word is rarely on our lips. Philip Yancey points out that part of the problem is that the nature of grace itself. Grace is hard to accept. It's hard to believe. It's hard to receive. We all have a certain skepticism when a telemaker tells us, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to offer you a free trip to Hawaii. Well, automatically we wonder, what's the catch? Because we have all been taught that there's no free lunch. Grace is hard to accept. It's hard to believe. It's hard to receive. And grace shocks us in what it offers. It is truly not of this world. It frightens Jonah, knowing that God was going to let people that he hated off the hook. You see, grace teaches us that God does to others what we would never do for them. We would save the not-so-bad. God starts with the prostitutes, and then, then he works downward from there. Grace is a gift that costs everything to the giver and nothing to the receiver. It is given to those who don't deserve it, barely recognize it, and hardly appreciate it. As I pondered this, a thought hit me in a very powerful way. God is much more gracious than I am. You know how I know that? Because he saves people that I wouldn't save if I were God. He blesses people that I wouldn't bless if I were God. He uses people in a service that I wouldn't use if I were God. I remind you of the verse that we began this two-part series with from the book of Titus. For the grace of God has appeared. It offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Thank you so much for listening today. My prayer is that you will not only be a recipient of God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, but you will also share that grace, pass that grace along. This is a wonderful time of the year to share your faith with your neighbors, with your friends, with your co-workers, with your associates. You see, somebody shared the grace of God with you one day. Will you do the favor of passing that grace 
along. Pass that faith along. You know, Easter is coming. Why don't you make plans right now to invite somebody to come with you to church on Easter? If you don't have a church home that you regularly attend, why don't you find a friend and say, hey, let's drive down to Hickory, the Hickory section of Chesapeake, and let's go to Hickory Ridge Community Church. You have three options, 7, 8.30, or 11 on Easter Sunday. If you have children, say, hey, bring the kids. They're going to have a big Easter egg hunt at 9.45. Maybe you want to go to the 8.30 service and then go to Easter egg hunt uh, with your family. I beg of you to come. You will learn about God's grace, His resurrection power that gives grace to all who believe in Him. Thank you so much for listening today. If I can pray for you, if you have something that's weighing heavy on your heart, would you shoot me a text message and say, please pray, and then you fill it in. My phone number is 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. Thank you for listening. Thank you for experiencing God's grace and passing the grace along. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to learn about how you give grace, even to those who don't deserve it. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.